Welcome to Whatcom New Life Assembly's Sermon of the Week, where, as always, it's all good news. For more info on how to get involved in our church or to partner with our ministry, please visit us at whatcomnewlifeassembly.org. You were here last week. We started a, a series called Bad Words from the Bible. Um, not that they're curse or cuss words or naughty potty mouth words. These are words that perhaps our culture doesn't like anymore. Or uh, words that we've added extra connotations to and now we've changed it the meaning a, a little bit. Or we just plain don't like the meaning <laughs> anymore. Words have a power based on our understanding of them and the things that, we've, that we know. And, am I right? Some of you are like, I'm not so sure about that. Let me give you an example. Did you know the name above all names is? Oh, wait. You pronounced it completely wrong. It depends on which country you're in, right? Uh, it, in the Hebrew, it's Yeshua. Now, if I said, I mean, they understand Jesus, but, but the word itself, I could be talking about somebody else named Jesus. In fact, in, in Mexico, it's Jesus, and Jesuses are everywhere. For example, if you'll show my video. Jesus! What? Did you love me, Kurt? Start over at the beginning, Kurt. I hate you. (laughs) Wait for it. It's worth the wait. Do you know that Jesus loves you? Jesus! What? Did you love me, cousin? No, I hate you. (laughs) Yeah, you couldn't hear the first part, but he says, Did you know that Jesus loves you? (laughs) Hey, Jesus, you love me? No, man, I don't love you. If I'm talking to this Jesus, there's not the same power as if I'm talking to the Jesus that is the name above all names. My my connotation really makes a difference depending on the word, okay? Now, you have to understand one thing. If you're new to Wacom New Life or if you've been here a hundred years, we believe every word in this book in the Bible, in the Scripture. And, and we do not delight in just airing our own opinions or our thoughts or our, our ideas about culture. We have to go back to this, and this is what we want to air. We believe this Word. And so if my culture or my opinion or what's hap- hip and cool right now doesn't line up to this, I have to line up my mind differently. Okay? Because the Bible was never meant to make me just always feel comfortable. It's, it's trying to stretch me and, and make me grow from glory to glory. Does you, do you want that kind of a life? Yes. Then you've got to submit to the Word of God, right? So Father, as we come to Your Word, we, just, we bow our hearts, we bow our minds, and we say, Father, change any wrong thinking in me. Father, I want to live according to Your Word and Your truth. Father, and not according to what is cool and popular right now, Father, because your word is life, and I only want your life. In Jesus' name, amen. So today you're getting a double whammy, two P words. It's the P word. And I got to jump right in for the sake of time. But the first P word that we are going to talk about is the word pleasure. Pleasure. It has, when I say that word, it's got connotations. Some good, some not so good, depending on what you've brought to the word itself. That's on you, not on me. Okay? I just said a word. 
The word is pleasure. Now, when, when we think of pleasure, one thing that pops to my mind is Pinocchio. Of course it does. Everybody, it's an old movie, so you probably haven't seen it. But he goes to a place called Pleasure Island. And on Pleasure Island, you can do whatever you want. You can have as much of it as you want. You can just go to town. And to our culture, that's what pleasure has become. And that's our, our, we see, we're trying to seek after it. And of course, Pinocchio turns into a donkey <laughs> because of this pursuit of pleasure over on Pleasure Island. And so culturally, if I think pleasure is a bad thing, my knee-jerk reaction is equally as stupid. Oh, I will deny myself. I will whip myself. I will, I, will, I will forsake all earthly goods and all earthly pleasure, and I will take a vow of poverty, I will take a vow of celibacy, I will take a vow of... I'll never eat again. And that is equally as full of nonsense as living a life in pursuit of those things. You see, the word pleasure is actually not a bad word unless my bad connotations come to it. To be sure, the pursuit of pleasure, a life running after pleasure, is, is going to lead you into sin. To be sure. But, the problem is, God designed you for pleasure. He, he created you for it. And so, the word itself, pleasure itself, isn't a bad thing. Now, I'm not talking about, again, let me say it clearly, living a life after pleasure only. But he created pleasure. It was his idea. And I have to allow room for that pleasure in his presence. I have to allow room for that pleasure in, his, in my walk with him. And if I don't, I'm denying parts of who God is. I use the example of Christmas morning, my favorite day of the entire year. You're more convincing in first service, yeah, but <laughs> Christmas is my favorite day, and it's not because I receive gifts, although it was when I was a kid. But what I, lo I love, I'm a, I love to give gifts. It's my favorite thing. And I love to give gifts to my kids. And so I will stay up late on Christmas Eve. I'm the last one to bed every year. I got a Christmas movie playing. I'm wrapping gifts, and, and, I, and I'm displaying them. I got... I got Emma's stuff here, Jilly's stuff here, Josiah's there, I got the stockings full. I'm, I'm making sure it looks just right so that when they come down the stairs in the morning, their faces light up, right? And what happens is I get, I'm, I'm receiving, it's a pleasurable thing for me. Did you know that God receives pleasure in watching you receive the good things? Amen. Watching you May it have pleasure in, in purity in the good things that he has for you. Now imagine my, my son, who's sitting here, decides he comes down, he goes, and there's this beautiful gift. I've been thinking for months what to get him for Christmas. And he comes down, and he looks at it, and he's like, I don't want this. I haven't even opened it yet, but I'm going to give it to the neighbor kid. It would, it would break my heart. Because I had invested my heart into that gift for him. Not for the neighbor kid. Now it's on me. Do I need to give a gift for the neighbor kid? Who knows? But I gave that to him. And so it, it would be robbing me of delight for him to say, no, I'm not even going to open it. You see, God is a God of pleasure. 
And if you still don't believe it, we're going to have to open the Bible. Because Psalm 1611 says this, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Which is why in the, in the New Testament, we had a couple disciples trying to argue over who got to sit at the right hand. <laughs> you know, let me sit at your right hand. I know there's pleasures forevermore. I'm kidding. That's not why they were arguing that. There are pleasures forevermore at God's right hand. So pleasure can't be a sinful thing. It can't be. In fact, God created mankind. Adam and Eve. He created them. In His image. And He said what? He said, this is very good. Oh, look, look at Adam here. Oh, he's a handsome, strapping guy. Created in my image nonetheless. Looks just like his old man. And so he says, now I need to put him in the right environment, right? It's like I take a, a fish and I bring it home. i got to put it in the right environment. And so where does he place Adam? In the garden of? Eden. Guess what the word for Eden is in the Hebrew? Pleasure. That's the literal word. That is the translation of the Hebrew word Eden. Pleasure. So he places Adam in his natural habitat in pleasure because it's, it's, it's at his right hand. At his right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. He wants him close at hand. He wants him right there at all times. So I'm going to put him in this beautiful place. And some of you are like, but I thought pleasure was one of those dirty words we can't talk about. That's because all you're thinking about is sex. Which is also not a bad word. You have to understand, I'm not going to get graphic here, folks. Please, cover your, don't cover your ears. God created that function as a gift. Amen. It was his good idea to make it a pleasurable experience. I'm not making this up. God created you fearfully, wonderfully. And it was his idea. But then he said, here's how it is going to be used. Man and a woman, husband and a wife. You will covenant before me. Amen. Not just promise, not just, hey, we're going to do our best to stick together. Before you enter into this amazing gift, this pleasurable gift, I want you to covenant till death do you part. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. So that you're both protected. Because this beautiful, pleasurable thing also brings you together on a spiritual level that can never be destroyed. And if you do, it just wreaks havoc. It's like, so this is a gift. But you have to go to the manufacturer of the gift in order how to, to, to do it properly, right? All right. <laughs> like, please move on. I'm so uncomfortable right now. I'm not trying to, trying to sound crass, but even according to that, our world's definition of pleasure, even that, like God's, God's intimacy and pleasure with you is so much more profound and deeper and everlasting than even that of a husband and a wife in the most intimate act that God created in there. So much more pleasurable. So where does this perversion come, come in? Well, I'm glad you asked. It came from the same place that the perversion of Eden came from. The devil. Well, you want to talk about the devil again? That preacher talking about Satan? Yes, Satan, the devil, Lucifer, he is the one who brought in a twisting of this. Amen. Follow me closely. 
we, we, we believe this about Satan. We believe that when he decided he rebelled against God, we've talked about how you have to have a free will. Angels got a free will too. But angels, God always is, always was, always will be. He was not a created being. He is the omnipotent one. He is God Almighty. Angels were created at some point. Just like humans. Angels are not creative or creators. They don't get to make new species and new worlds. and oh, This is God out of His mouth. What do angels do? They herald, which means to proclaim, to speak out the things God tells them to, and they carry out instructions. So when Satan, however many thousands of years ago, decided... He wanted the, the control word that we talked about last, last week. And God wouldn't stop him. He's like, okay. Because God says, here's your, here's your job. I want you to do this. And Satan said, I know, I want to take control. And God let him. And so Satan rebelled. At that moment, he didn't receive, oh, no, no. Now I have Sith powers. Watch me shoot lightning out of my hands and blast you with my devil pitchfork and create all sorts of evil things. <laughs> He gained no new powers. That's the lie. You see, the enemy wants you to think he is God's direct opposite. Like, you got God who's Yoda over here, and you got Darth Vader who's Satan over here, and Darth Vader can do force choke and force lightning, and God, God can do force push and Jedi mind tricks, and, and there's these two opposing equal forces. Lie! Yeah, come on. Amen. Come on. So Satan still has the same power he always did, which is to declare... And he's good at it. So he's not creating things. What he's doing, he's lying about them. In fact, he's, he's telling you the truth about things and twisting it. Adding, taking some away. And, and, and that is called perversion. All he can do is take truth, take what's real, take what's right, and pervert it. That's what he does. That's what he did in the garden of pleasure. He went to Adam and Eve. See, Satan didn't one night take, create something brand new called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sneak it in under the, under the wall, plant it in the garden, and then back away and like, oh, I got away with that one. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the book of Genesis was put there by God. It wasn't bad. It wasn't evil. The fruit of it wasn't evil. But you see, God didn't create us for, for the capacity to hold the, the knowledge of good and evil within us. He bore that for us. He ate it. He's like, I know these things. Trust me. And I'm asking you, don't eat this fruit. Because it, it won't lead you into good things. So Satan shows up, and what does he do? He doesn't create something, he just lies about it. He's like, did God really say don't eat any fruit? No. And then Eve's confused. Huh? You, he didn't say, you just can't eat that one because then I'll die. And he's like, you won't die. You'll just know things and be just like him. See, he twists. He perverts. He, 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 he's, that's what he does. And sin happens when we agree with him about his version of the truth. And it's no different than when we're talking about pleasure. You talk about lust, right? This is when, when we listen to Satan's view of what, uh, he's like, hey, it's, it's the nasty. That's my department. Right? He's no expert at it, folks. He didn't create it. God did. 
And he's like, just go for it. Have whatever you want, whenever you want. It's good. If that much is good, it's all good. Did God really say it was bad? Well, no, he didn't, but I, I guess I'll do it your way because I want to. That's the lie. That's the sin. He's a declaring angel, and he's declaring half-truths and lies to you. Sin comes when we agree with him. You can do that for any sin out there, any of these wonderful things. Let's talk about gluttony, the seven, one of the seven deadly sins. Oh, gross. I've shaken all your hands, and I just lick my hands. Just, I love you. God created this tongue, this taste buds. He created this idea that we would eat food of varying varieties, and it would be a pleasure to do so. That was God's idea. He made your body. He made you this way. And he's like, this is be so good. I'll make apples and pears and carrots and tomatoes and rutabaga. And I'll eat this, this deer. Eat him. Go for it. Have at it. <laughs> Variety. And then he, get, he gifted people with the ability to take these things and make them into new and exciting dishes, right? And, and to eat, it's a pleasurable thing. And so Satan doesn't create that pleasure. What he does is he's saying, hey, if one maple bar is good, <laughs> go for four. And you're like, at the fourth one, I think it's not good anymore. Oh, it is. Remember how good it tasted with the first one. Go for six more. Mmm, gluttony. That's what happens. We can do this for any of the other sins. Let's talk about this beautiful, wonderful, marvelous, wonderful gift called rest. Oh, my pillow. When your pillow's cold, you flip it over, you get in there the first time, and it's, oh, you get all cuddled up. Ah, it's like bliss. It's called pleasure. God created that. It was his idea to make you sleep. He's like, oh, they're going to love this one. And tell you what, I'm even going to create a whole day of the week where you're just to rest. Amen. So he says, on the seventh day, as my Sabbath, just don't do anything, just rest. Because that's how important this gift is, and it's going to be pleasurable for you. And so what does Satan do? He's like, hey, if laying there for eight hours is good, why not stay in bed all day? If resting one day of the week is good, how about four? <laughs> and there comes this point, it's, it, it's called sloth, and I'm laying there, and I'm like, this isn't fun anymore. There's no pleasure in this anymore. Why? Because I bought a lie about it instead of the truth. We could go on and on. Greed. Did you know God created this system of Him providing for our needs as a, as a beautiful, pleasurable thing where, us, where we're constantly in relationship with Him? Oh man, Father, this happened. Will you provide? And he's like, yeah, I'll provide. And Satan's like, hey, Bob never had to ask me for that. He never had to ask the Lord for that. He had enough. You need what Bob has. In fact, why don't you lie, cheat, manipulate, and steal and just go after that money thing all you want? In fact, if, if this much is not, if you win the mega millions, you'll be good to go. But I can tell you, everyone without Jesus who's won the mega millions or a bazillion of dollars are even more depraved and depressed and angry and lost than they ever were with it. Because provision was meant to be a pleasurable exchange between us and the Lord. An exchange of our trust, His provision, and I, I go closer and closer to Him. Satan has some things he wants to herald and proclaim to you. 
And the question is, whose voice are you going to listen to? Who will you believe? He's like, I, I, I. okay, I'm going to show you this clip. Show my, my next video. This is uh, some of you, some of us. Hey, buddy. You want to go for a walk? Hey, hey, come on now. Hey, sit down. Sit down. Sit. Sit. No, 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 no. Sit. 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 Let's keep it. No, we gotta get this on. Hey. Sit. Sit. Okay. We gotta get this on. He's really puppy. I'm gonna do it. I am gonna do it. I promise. Get a good man, doggy. I found it. I found it. Okay, it's not done. Oh. No, no, All right, all right, all right. I love my dog, seriously. He's 11 months old, and uh, we're working. But here's the deal. There is another P word that goes hand in hand with the pleasure word, and it's called patience. It's another word we don't like. But you see, it's another one of the fruits of the Spirit that I have to choose to act and walk and, wa and be in. Oh, Lord, give me patience. Here's a good dog for you. Ah, I'm, choose patience. You can choose it. i got to choose to walk in those fruit. I'm filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, but I still have to choose to let the fruit be evident in my life. You see what happens? My dog loves to go on walks. It's like, this is the best. My master takes me to the greatest places. Oh, I've been locked in this cage all day. <laughs> I want it. I want it. And he, if he would just calm down, Sit still. The leash is right here, master. Come on, I trust you. And then I could hook, and I'd probably take him on more walks because it'd be more exciting for me. And I could take him to more exciting places where he's not trying to get away from me all the time. The thing is, God wants to take you to green pastures. He wants to take you to pleasurable places. He wants to walk with you. But what we do is we go, oh, and I, and I run away. I'm going to break out the door because I know the green pasture is over there. I know that's what I, I know. And, I get, and I'm there. And he's like, where'd he go? It's gravel in my mouth. Because the master knows. And if I would just go, take a break. Okay. Lord, I know you, you've designed me for pleasure. You've, you, in your right hand, in your presence, are joy. It's pleasure. And right now I'm experiencing, I'm experiencing some things that don't feel that way to me. But I trust you. That at your time, as I walk faithfully with you, that... I'll go back to that green pasture. Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He's with me. If I knew he was with me, I wouldn't be so panicked when everything seems so dull and gloom. I want to show this next picture. I love where we live. We got some, some folks here from Florida. This is the view, folks, that you need. 
Mount Baker on a sunny day, driving down uh, pretty much anywhere in Whatcom County, but right here in Ferndale, down Main Street, it is gorgeous, breathtaking. And I'm like, oh, God, thank you so much. I can just look at that and just enter into worship because God has painted such a gorgeous picture here. But do you remember not too long ago I thought you loved me, God. You remember the, the fires in August? I didn't see the sun for weeks. Oh, God, why? This is the worst. I just want to see the blue skies again. Am I the only one who felt that way? We are so fickle in these moments. Like, we look out here. I could look out today. Gorgeous day. Forget all about those. Oh, that was no big deal. But in that moment, it was like, <laughs> Give me to the mountain. Give me to the mountain. <laughs> and if you just, in those moments, say, I know God created me for pleasure. And I know that He is my master and my savior. And that if I lean into Him, that He will lead me into paths of righteousness for His namesake. He's going to, I'm going to see the mountain again. So, yay, I get to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Here's the caller. Take me into, take, lead me on, Father. I won't push ahead of you because I trust and I know that you are the good God. In Deuteronomy, and I, I wanted to read all this, but for the sake of time, I just want to quickly go over it. I mean, I, there's some things in the Old Testament that just don't make sense to me. And one of these things is called the year of Jubilee. And in that system, there, there, there was, they were, every seventh year, if you'd hired your, brought on servants or slaves, the people who had let themselves come in, and, and on the sixth year, you let them all go for free. They're no, longer, they're no longer under your servitude. In fact, you, you, were, you were supposed to... If, also, if somebody asked you for a loan in this culture, you were supposed to say yes. Because God says in Deuteronomy that His intention was for all the Israelites to be blessed. And then He says this, but in, 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 on the seventh year, you forgive all loans. I know what I'm doing on the sixth year. Hey, can I borrow some money? And then he says this. If on the sixth year, toward the end, somebody asks you for, more, for a loan, don't say no. Give it to them freely. And he says, and don't whine about it either. Because it's my intention to bless everybody. And if you do this, you will be blessed. There was a blessing there. What? No, no, no. So, so Bob comes to me and asks for $60,000. I have $120,000, but now I give it to him. But, but wait a minute. In three months from now, I have to forgive that $60,000. I'll never see it back. And God says, don't whine about it. Because I have a plan that's better than yours. Do you trust me? <laughs> Do you trust your Father? Do you trust God? God designed you for pleasure. True pleasure. His pleasure not the pleasure that comes through your panic, your anxiety, your grabbing, your... <laughs> There's no pleasure when you act like my dog. 
The pleasure comes when I have patience and I say, Father, I trust you. I'm believing you to be my financial provider. And if you say forgive the $60,000 loan, I'm going to do it. Even though that doesn't make sense to me. If you say to, to bless this person, and, and I'm going to do it. Father, I trust you to have the perfect plan for my pleasure. That was three P's in a row. That was awesome. In every way, emotionally, physically, and I trust you. Whose voice will you listen to? All the enemy can do is lie, moan, and harass you with his, with his spin on things. And the only power he gets is if you give in and agree with his take. But true pleasure will come when you say, Father, I trust you. And I will patiently await the green pasture that you're leading me into. Because every time I run off the leash, I end up back in the valley. It's funny how that works. Do you believe that God wants to lead you into paths of righteousness. Say amen. Amen. Do you believe that He has plans to prosper you and not to harm you? To give you a hope and a future? Do you believe that? Then you've got to trust Him. Have some patience. Trust me. He created the pleasure you think you're trying to give your life for. So here's what I want you to do as we close here. If you'll stand with me. Let me just bow your heads. I just want this moment to be an honest moment with you and the Lord. I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you, if you have never given God trust over your life, you've never said... God, I trust you to be my provider. I trust you in this situation. And I want to give you my life. I've acted too much like that dumb dog on the video. I run. I get out. I, go, I bolt for the door every chance I get. And you just want to give your life to Jesus. And say, Father, I let you be my master. If that's you and you want to accept Christ as your master and savior, would you just raise your hand with me? Thank you. You're saying, just God, I want to give you complete. I trust you that you've got, you have everything for me. And the rest of you, if you want to just raise both hands and confirm this to the Lord and say, Father, I trust you. And I just want everyone to repeat after me. Father, I trust you. I want to follow you. I give you my life. I trust you for my pleasure. I trust you for all my provision. I ask you to forgive my sin. Cleanse my heart. Cleanse my mind. And lead me to paths of righteousness. For your namesake. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we believe you have been saved. You've been born again. God has forgiven your sins. You get to go spend eternity in heaven, but there's pleasures in heaven, trust me. We don't even understand that. But I want you to walk out of here knowing one thing. 
the best life that you can have. He intends you to walk into paths of righteousness. He wants to lead you into pleasurable places. But he wants to be the leader. <laughs> so just take a deep breath and say, Father, I trust you. When that anxiety comes, when that fear comes, say, Father, I trust you. Because he's leading you from glory to glory. Amen? Amen. And if you've accepted him for the first time today, I would love a chance to just chat with you um, and, and the rest of you. God bless. As you walk out there and you see Mount Baker, just shout amen because God is good. Amen? amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit us at welcomenewlifeassembly.org.